was a good morning. It was a good morning. You know, and I don't know, if, I don't, I won't go too long, but a thought occurred to me as we had this big draft, you know, the Jaguars was drafting an NFL draft. And you know what? At some point in your life, you were sitting there and God drafted you. You didn't do anything to get, you know, God drafted you to be on his team. And it's on and on and on it goes. No. And, yeah, that's good for me. Good for me. <laughs> I just was having such a good morning in the love and grace of God. And I read your devotion on that this morning, and, and it, that'll preach for a while. Can we do draft day next weekend and just throw a thing up on that? Yeah, that'd be good. Thanks for hanging out with yeah. me for a moment. That's, this is a, a father's joy to worship with his kids. <laughs> so everybody hug Carson because he wants nobody to touch him right now. So you can, all of you hug him right now. Pat him. Don't, don't bother Hannah. She's awesome. Unlike Carson. So, um, wow. I, uh, I really do. I want to read um, Ephesians 3 and 2 Corinthians 4. Um, and I, I, just really, uh, I just really am astounded by the grace of Christ as he merges together uh, where we've been in our groups this morning and where we are as a community of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because that's who we are. And I truly want to invite you. In fact, oh goodness, I left my book there, but it was, um, I left my book in class, but I read this extraordinary quote this morning in our group that Jesus has lifted us out of a life of death and sin and shame and he has carried us from that into the place of resurrection and life and hope. And I, I particularly thrived in my heart this morning with the, with the story that was shared with us of Nicodemus as he came to Jesus in the darkness. And Jesus just mapped out for him both that the grace of God was enough but apart from the grace of God, he was condemned and a man that was dead in his sin and trespass. And basically, Jesus just laid before him, I am inviting you in to the light and the hope of the gospel that will be before you. That there will be forgiveness and remission of sin that will be lifted up. And he told an Old Testament truth and story. And he said, what I want you to understand prophetically is that I will be lifted up in just a few days, Nicodemus. And I will be born on a cross. And through that cross, the sin and remission the, the remission of sin for mankind will be given. And so, Nicodemus, I want you to know that it is only in fixing your eyes and your heart on me, on the cross, that you receive forgiveness. And so, I know you're here at night, and I know that you're a little bit fearful of this moment, but I just want you to know, Nicodemus, and I feel like Jesus broke out in this song in this moment, that I want you to know that the love of God never fails. And I want you to know, Nicodemus, that what you come in secret as you unveil it to the Lord, His love never fails. His grace is sufficient. The cross will be enough. And you may walk in the fullness of light. And I feel like some of us are in this room. In fact, there is no feeling to this. As I read scripture, there are many of us in this room as it talks about us being dead in our sins, being grieving in our sins, and quenching the move of the Spirit of God. And I come with an extraordinary message for you this morning. The grace of Christ is enough. 
would you walk into the light this morning? His mercy is new every morning and His grace is sufficient for whatever you believe that you are hiding from Him. Perhaps the most beautiful ending of that particular account that we just walked through in Scripture, um, my wife was sitting beside me and she opened the Scripture to the 19th chapter of the book of John and she just said, I want you to understand the power of this moment. She shared this with our class. It's just that this, this guy who came in hiding... In John, the 19th chapter, Jesus had just been crucified and they were carrying him to the grave. And there were two people there, Joseph of Arimathea, who most of us talk about. But there was a second guy there who for a season of life pursued Jesus in the dark. But when he stepped into the light, he found that Jesus was more than enough. And at a point in time when everyone else who were followers of Jesus truly scattered, there is one man that is standing in the light. It is because he understood the magnitude of the grace of Christ. And I believe because he said in the third chapter of the book of John, as Jesus was talking to him, and he understood fully that he gazed at the cross, he was gazed at the covering of his sin. And so rather than scattering that moment, he and Joseph met in the middle of the day at the greatest point of risk, And said, can we pull him from the cross? And might I be the one to bury this Jesus? For the love of God in Christ is enough. And I think there was full faith and belief in his heart that this cross and this tomb were not the end of the story because our king always has another move. So how do, we, how do we together walk in the fullness of life? What does a faith community look like that is filled with Jesus? What does the resurrection community of faith look like? We began this conversation last week. I want to carry it on for this weekend and next. And just, just talk about this. A faith community, in my opinion, well, who cares about my opinion? A faith community, according to Scripture, would have this at their very core. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter... Verse 14, it just says this. We know this. That the one who raised the Lord Jesus, he will also raise us with Jesus. He will present us with you. And I just want you to know that we're a resurrected community of faith because of the Easter celebration and that we are a people of one heart and we walk in the light as he is in the light because the same Jesus who was raised from the dead, the book of Ephesians says it this way, the dunamis power, the dynamic or dynamite power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, when you embrace the power of the cross and the joy of the resurrection, that same power raises you to walk in newness of life. And so when people begin to ask this question, and it's a powerful question, how can we know that Jesus is resurrected from the dead? We answer it this way, and it ideally is coming on the screen. Of course Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Look at us. And I prayed last week, and I prayed over this church last week, that you would walk into this room worshiping as a people of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course Jesus is raised from the dead. Look in the middle of his church. 
Look at the stories of a people who have been resurrected from the dead. Look at the stories of those who continuously and deliberately walk out of death into life, walk out of darkness into light, who continuously, like David, modeled for us in Scripture when pointed out his sin, as the Holy Spirit does so well, and often the Holy Spirit uses our friends. David just simply said, Oh God, search me. I want you to know my heart and I want to walk in the fullness of light. How do you know there's resurrection? It's a community of faith who walks in this room with extraordinary authenticity and beautiful deliberation on our part to be a people of the cross and to be a people of the empty tomb. And I say, Lord, we are a resurrection community of faith. Come and sit among us and you will experience a people who have met Jesus. There's a powerful story that I share with every one of our um, groups that come through Discover Mandarin. It's a story that I've told at least twice in this pulpit, so I'll just give you the annotated version because I believe that most of you have heard it. But it's a story for me of resurrection and hope. And it's a story for me that captures the heart of what I pray for our body of believers. There was an author and a speaker that flew over to Hawaii to speak. His name is Tony Campolo. And Tony said that he was unable to sleep that particular night when he flew in because the time change was so, you know, wrecking his body. So he said about 2 o'clock he got up and went over to a diner and long story short had a meal, realized he was... Um, sharing a meal um, next to two ladies who were prostitutes. And so what he learned in sitting and listening to their conversation is that one of the ladies' birthday was the next day, and so her name was Agnes. And so as they went back um, and left the diner, he just simply turned to the owner of the diner or the manager of the night, and he said these words, would you be okay if I threw a party for her? And the answer from the diner was very um, business-oriented. The owner of the diner said, absolutely, as long as I can cook meals and my wife can make the cake. In other words, you can throw as many parties as you want to as long as um, we make money. And I particularly appreciated this story because Tony said that apparently some people overheard him. So the next night, about one in the morning, he had discovered the typical time that they came into the diner. So the next night, about one in the morning, uh, he showed up and it was wall to wall with people, many of them people of the night. And he began to ask this question of the Lord, are you okay with this? And the Lord said, I'm a friend of sinners. I'm very okay with this. And Tony said um, they all were just electric and ecstatic. And as um, as someone saw Agnes walking down the street, they began to uh, to whisper among one another. She's coming and the excitement was palpable. And as she opened the door, they broke forth in song. The cake was on the way. And in fact, I have a cake on the screen right now. A cake was on the way to just simply say, we love you. And so they brought this cake to her and... Um, and they handed it to her, and she blew out the candles, burst into tears, and said, I have never had this happen in my life. I have to go show my family. She walked out the door, and Tony said, I have no idea what you do when the guest of honor walks out the door, and so I just did what preachers do. I began to pray, and I just prayed that God would show her more that he asked for her than, her than she, and what she was practicing in that moment, more that he had for her than she could ever dream or imagine, and I just prayed that out. And, and later on that night, the guy said to him, the owner of the diner said to him, you didn't tell me you were a religious guy. He said, no. And he said, what kind of church do you go to anyway? And I love Tony's answer. And he said, 
what I always say. Um, he said, do you ever have those moments when somebody asks you a question like that and you think of the perfect answer two and a half days later? <laughs> That's me. That's always my story. Like I, I'm driving down the road going, that was the verse that was needed. That was the truth that was needed. And Tony said this was a divine moment because the Lord gave me just the right word to say to him. And so I said these words, I go to a church that throws parties for prostitutes at two in the morning. And I love his answer. The owner said, I don't believe you because if there were churches like that, I would go. And I say that and tell this story, not so that you could hear it again. I share this story because I think that is the heart of a resurrection community of faith. Because when a resurrection community of faith is truly that, we fully grasp and realize that apart from Jesus, we weren't bad and we weren't soiled. We were dead. That apart from Jesus, we weren't doing okay and he made a better version of us. Apart from Jesus, we were mired in sin. We were stuck in lostness. And the gospel that transcends and the gospel that creates a community of resurrection, a gospel that moves among us, is a gospel that knows the scriptures. It says, it wasn't that you brushed off and gave Jesus a little of your heart. It was that he lifted you up, he cleaned you off, he robed you in righteousness, and it is not a part of your life. That's not Jesus. He is your resurrection and your life. That's the prayer, and that's perhaps why my prayer of my heart is that we are a resurrection community of faith, and that we're a people who are with constancy walking around going, praise you, Lord, for the new birth that you gave me. Praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the redemption that you brought to my life. Praise you, Jesus, for your grace. I would even say in this room, it might be fair for some of us to say, forgive me, Jesus, and I move into the light. Could we, for the next four decades, sing of your unfailing love? Because I don't know that I fully grasp that until right this moment. And I, can we get a do-over with the band to sing of the love of God in Christ Jesus? Because it is the love that scales heights that we can't go and goes with the wits that we can't we can't fathom. And a community of faith that is of the resurrection of Jesus has lost all thought of our goodness and makes all greatness of God's grace. So I'm praying for this body of believers that when people say, where can you find this Jesus? How do you know he's raised? Oh, come amongst us. We are a wretched crew who have been made glorious in Jesus. We were a broken bunch and we have been put back together by the King of glory. And we are deliberate about our passion in Him. We move with Him. And I believe, can you imagine this? I shared this, this the love of God in Christ would move us in Ephesians, the third chapter. I just want to read some scripture for you and then talk about two things and say amen. This grace that was given to us in chapter 3, I'm kind of on verse 8, but I'm going to land in verse 10. This grace that was given to us, here's how you should describe yourself. We're the least of all the saints. I mean, we're a humble people. And it is the grace of Jesus that was given us. And oh, God, can we write another song about your grace? 
We're here to proclaim. I'm just going to read it, verse 8, because it's too good. It's not going to pop up on the screen. Forgive me for that. But we're here to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of God in Christ. And we're here to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And so here's our purpose as a church. This is the resurrection community. This is so the multi, God's multifaceted wisdom could now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens. And if I can add an addendum, we, we work this out on earth as well. So apparently we're a testimony of the grace and goodness of God and we are making majestic wonder of who he is to the heavenlies and to those who pass us on this earth. And we are a people stunned by grace. Amazed in grace. And if you could just hear one word that flows out of our hearts, it is the name Jesus. He is the name that is crowned over us. This is according to his eternal purpose. And his purpose wasn't accomplished in you waking up tomorrow and being better. It was accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Jesus, we have boldness. In Jesus, we have confident access. It is through faith in him. It is in Jesus. So then, I will not be discouraged over my afflictions. It will be all for the glory of the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. So I come back and say, how can someone see the resurrected Jesus in this world? Oh, are you kidding me? Come among a bunch of people who have been made alive in Christ. We will tell you of the light of Christ and the mystery that's been hidden for ages. We will share with you of the incalculable riches of the glory of the cross of Christ. Come be with us for a while. And hopefully, hopefully you will hear so little of us, but you will hear so much of him his glory and his name. I wrote in, in my notes last week that we should love God out of that and it should be so real and so personal. It should bring such conviction to our lives. I am not praying that you will have a good feeling about the light of Christ or the mercy of Christ, or the cross of Christ, I am praying as I prepare this message that there would be abounding conviction to move under the banner of the cross of Christ and the resurrected Jesus. I have prayed that there would be a shattering of our self-worth and a raising up of the worth of the cross. That we would come as a people of deep wretchedness and recognizing out of our worship and out of his resurrection that we are a people because of his glory who have been made glorious. Our worship is stunning and our, and our movement among him. Can you imagine? I just said these words last week that there was a waiting among the early church. There was abiding and rest among the early church. There was a zeal about the early church. Colossians 3.23, we're in a study on Wednesday nights together with a group, and, and um, in part of our study just talked about there was a wholeheartedness about the early church. Whatever we do, as we get together, as we make our way through our life, there is a zeal for the knowledge of Christ. And that's here. We're just saying, please just draw us to this. And I imagine if you will recall, as Jesus said to the early church, I want you to understand this holy weight 
abide and then move. This idea that I love you and I am very real and very personal and, and I long to do among you more than you can imagine. Ephesians 3.20, which is a favorite verse of church folks to quote, is birthed out of understanding the love of God in Christ Jesus. And for a group of people to sit and wait and rest and abide and then move with God. And if you'll recall, as the church was launched, it was launched not in this magnitude of we've got our first gathering, let's go big. It was launched in why don't we meet in the top of an upper room and 120 of us pray until God shows us his next move. And that is a good move for this church today. About 120 or maybe the rest of us gather together with our families in this room in various spaces and just say, God, would you do a holy work among your body of believers so that there is an unequivocal recognition of the resurrection of Jesus? If that would become a heart hope of this church, I believe that God would far surpass anything we could imagine. Would you place us before you? I began to just read varying portions throughout Scripture. I, I shared this last week. I said, you know, it's just powerful. This isn't a good preaching moment. It's powerful what God does. In fact, in Acts, the fourth chapter, verses 31 through 33, they began to just um, talk about their boldness, and they lived out their boldness, and then they were wrecked for the sake of God. And then as they lived out boldness and wonders and signs of the living Christ were happening among them, I love where they went next. In Acts 4 it says, when they prayed, and actually before that they were praying, and so they were bold and they were moving with God and they were abiding in Him, and they said, so God, we're, we're not going to keep moving, we're going to pray, and the place will be shaken, we'll be filled with the Spirit, and we will speak boldly of the living God. The entire group will believe and there'll be one heart and mind. That's why this is called one heart over the next week or two. And no one would have any possessions. It would be everything in common. With great power, the apostles will give testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. With great power, the followers of Jesus, as they pray and he fills their lives, will give testimony with boldness of the wonder of Christ and his resurrection. And here, listen, and great grace will be on all of them. Woo! Bring that, Lord. That's the pattern. They're like sitting going, can we pray again? So they did in the sixth chapter of Acts. And in that chapter, they began to see some needs among the body believers. So they prayed. Deacons were set apart. It was a powerful moment. It was a glorious moment. They, they, they elevated some people to serve. It turns out some of them weren't just good at serving, but they preached so much so that they stirred up the Spirit of God and were stoned to death. But here's what happened. Out of that Acts 6, we're going to pray, we're going to abide, we're going to rest, and then we'll move when God says move. Here's what happened. The Word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large number of priests came to faith in the Lord. This is so good. And so, in other words, like us, there is a lot of people that are religious in this culture that know a little bit about God and not much about repentance, brokenness, and the shed blood of the cross. And as they prayed and saw the power of God, they said, look, our religious symbols are going to have to go away. And many priests or many Southern Baptists came to know Jesus by grace, through faith, in Christ, for the cross, for his glory, so that the resurrection could be made clear. 
And it's powerful, and it just kind of says, okay, can we strip away all of our pretense and come to him empty-handed, open mouth? and will you fill our hearts, Lord? And I think he is declaring throughout Scripture, yes, I will. You go on to chapter 13, I skipped about six stories between 6 and 13. In chapter 13, they're sitting around and praying, how do we make our next move? We think God is calling us to the nations. We think it's going to be powerful. And in verses 1 through 3, the church at Antioch, which is a great church, first place, they're called Christians. It's It's actually meant to be derogatory. You're just little Jesus people. Oh, that we would be called Christians. There were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod, a tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping, here, let's listen, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, here's the next move, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them, Then, I love this, so what does a church do who is wrestling with being a people of the resurrection? They fast and pray. What does the church do when God says, here's my next move? What does the church do in that moment? They fast and pray because they realize the strength is not from them. It is from the living God. And as a body of believers, we come broken before the Lord saying, fill us with your strength. And they fasted and prayed. They laid hands on them and they sent them off. I'm personally just excited. I don't know if y'all are. I'm, I'm reading this scripture and going, God, this doesn't seem to be that complex. If we'll fall in love with you, you will move in might. If we'll fall out of love with ourselves, you will move in power. If we will fast and pray and seek your face, we should like read that scripture sometime. You will heal our land and you'll move among us. The word of God spread. Barnabas and Saul were set apart. I don't know how they heard the Holy Spirit. We're told in this little encounter that there were people gifted as prophets and teachers in that church. Perhaps one of them spoke a word that just affirmed them. I don't don't know. It doesn't give us the graft out. This is how it happened. But after prayer and more fasting, they believed this was God leading and they obeyed. So I think there's this, God, we're going to abide, we're going to rest, we're going to seek, we're going to move, we're going to obey, we're going to abide, we're going to fast, we're going to rest, we're going to obey, we're going to move. I mean, this is the power of God in the church. It just exploded. And, and this isn't an ancient story. This is happening today across the Asian continent. And the church is exploding in the midst of the same peril. And perhaps we could learn some things. I, just two-second snippet. I met the Korean pastor who's about two miles from here. And he asked me which morning I would, come to lie, I would like to come at 4.30 a.m. to their church and follow them and lead them through a time of guided prayer. It's just the people of God, pastor. It's just the people of God. They're praying. We're just showing up with them. This isn't the preacher leading it. It's the people of God, Pastor. We're just praying. We're just joining in. And we're asking God to do amazing things. If you know much of anything about the Korean church, none of that surprises you. So they obeyed and they prayed more. 
John Ortberg asked us Wednesday night some questions, and I thought they were very fitting. Am I deliberate about this? Am I convicted about this? God, is my heart moving forward in this? He asked four questions. I don't think I provided them for the screen, so I ask you to forgive me for that. I think I jotted them down on Saturday evening. Do I own the responsibility to prepare? Here's some, this isn't like some out there theological sermon. Let me come back to you and me. Do I own the responsibility to prepare to become a part of the resurrection community of faith? Here's what he asked. Do I read? Am I a person of the scripture? Do I fast? Am I a person of prayer? Am I learning from the people who are further down the road from me? And who are they in my life? And I just ask that this not be an academic journey. I'm asking you, do we read together as the community of faith? Is there a group that, that, and this doesn't have to be an all-in moment right now, if it's all-in and these ideas. God, am I a person that is saturated in our word? Who is the last corporate group that you shared life with where you were intentionally fasting together? I don't mean this to be guilt. I'm asking this because this will allow us to become a, a community of the resurrection. God, who is it that's down the road, the spiritually more mature? They're not necessarily older than me. They're more mature than me in their walk with you. And God, I want to learn from them. I believe personally that there are many young people that are millennials that I see as passionate followers of Jesus. I don't just have to look up line. I want to look down line and see folks who are teaching me out of my ways of a 50-year-old so that I don't miss the 20-year-olds. Who am I talking with that helps me? I believe that would help the church of Jesus Christ today so much if we both looked up line for maturity and downline. I believe it would be life-changing. I listen to my dad talk about churches across Indiana constantly. He's never said this to me, but I would give conjecture that not only would it benefit Mandarin Baptist Church, it would benefit multitudes of churches who are saying, we don't want to forsake reaching five generations, but all five generations need to look up and down. I do not want to lose what God has in this room of every generation, but older generations, and I'm becoming quickly a part of you, I have my AARP card. I want to look downline and say, teach me what it looks like to follow Jesus so that we don't put your generation on the shelf. I have three more questions, and I'll end in a place I didn't plan to. Do I complain about difficulties or preferences that rationalize my own half-hearted response to Jesus? I'll say that again so you can write it down. It's worthy of it. Do I complain about difficulties or preferences that rationalize my half-hearted involvement with the kingdom of Christ? Really, I just want to make it about somebody else. And this isn't their story. This is our story before the cross. Say, God, we're going to fast and pray. And honestly, okay, do I, here's the third question. Do I deal with discouragements by talking with God and asking him this question? Allow me through your spirit to persevere. I don't have the internal fortitude. God, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm going to read this question again because I got off preaching. Do I deal with discouragements by talking with God and asking for strength to persevere? The scripture says in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, before it gets to the 11th chapter, that the heroes of the faith are heroes of the faith because they endured. 
And what is needed in the body of believers is when discouragement and challenges and sickness and hurt comes in this world. Do I turn to Jesus to say, I need you in this moment to give me the endurance to keep going. And I'm not asking for more than tomorrow, but I am asking for your glory through me tomorrow. And I believe that the next tomorrow, manna will fall again. This is really weighty stuff. Um, I went home and said to my wife Wednesday night, these four questions were life-altering for me. And I pray that they are for you as well. Do I recognize and celebrate even the smallest of steps in my pilgrimage with Jesus? I mean, I pick up the phone and go, I just read this verse. It so spoke to my heart. If I were David Holliday, I would call every friend I had and said, I stood between my two kids and led worship. It's the best day I have ever had. I mean, we should be... Do I recognize and celebrate even small steps in the right direction? And I want to join with people and celebrate, you know? This is a good thing. I, I love what you're doing, God. And that's, that's, I think, how we begin talking about these things. And I know this is what's weird. Have you ever had that? Even among your Christian brothers and sisters, we can talk about the Jags all day long. Well, you, you can only talk about them for about 10 minutes, and then it's irrelevant. But you can talk about some subjects all day long. But even in the body of Christ, it's weird to talk about Jesus. And I don't know why that is other than we have an evil one who wants to hinder that. And these moments allow us just to begin to go, I just, I just want to call you because I read this verse. How awesome would that be to have that across this church? That you picked up your phone this week and said, when I was in this moment, this verse just popped to me. I just had to tell you. God spoke to me in this way and this is what he's doing among my family. And you needed to know. And we just wear each other out bragging about Jesus. And pretty soon not only does that lift us up as a resurrected community of faith, but it impacts the multitudes around us and the glorious all becomes an even more all. There came even more among us who were saying, you guys, you guys are madly in love with Jesus, and I'm taking notice of this. So, ending thoughts. Never be lacking in zeal. Live with a wholehearted fervor for the Lord. Recognize that your weakness is perfected in Christ Jesus and nowhere else. Can I just say that again? That's a scripture, so it's more powerful than my words. Recognize that your weakness is perfected in Jesus and nowhere else. God, I, I want to walk with zeal and fervor. I want to walk with, not, with knowledge. And I think this is where it becomes really beautiful. Surround yourself, and this is where I think the church is so important. This is why I don't think this is an individualistic faith and was never intended to be. And this is why this sermon is entitled, or this, this series is entitled, A Resurrection Community of Faith. Surround yourself with people whose character you trust, whose judgment is wise, who love you enough to talk with you honestly, who will speak wisdom in your life, and who are filled with the Spirit and filled with the Word of God. Surround yourself. I'm just looking for a few amens. Okay, we're going to start there. I mean, we're thinking, we're, I'm waving a hand. I'm, surround yourself with people of character who will speak life to you. They are people you trust. They're not good people. They are godly people. They are full of the Spirit. 
They are filled with scripture and they are speaking life to you. Many, if not most, of the train wreck decisions could be prevented if we asked one person in our life who had those character traits to speak into our life. That is why it is critical that we live as the resurrection community of faith. It's a community of conviction. It's a community of one heart. The resurrected of Jesus is here. There is wisdom that is rooted in truth. There is scripture and it is borne out with the presence of the Spirit of God. And it is garnered through a resurrection community. And what happens in the resurrection community is twofold. Can we put the picture of the cake back up? It is twofold. Number one, I believe that multitudes of people, because resurrection communities exist, will be brought to life through Jesus Christ. In us. And through us. I also believe that there are many of us who are in this room who are currently walking in a dark circumstance or situation and you don't trust the grace of God. And I just tell you that he is standing with a cake in hand waiting to say to you, I know that you are mine and I know that you're in the dark corner. Would you walk into the light? Out of your strength, out of your power and into my perfecting work. I am the author and the perfecter And I am standing here, and I am waiting, and we will burst into song, as Luke 15, which we'll get to next week, teaches us, we will burst into song when you return, sweet child. And so as I begin, I'll end. We're going to sing a powerful song to end this service. It says that Christ is our cornerstone. That's who he is. The band is coming even right now to lead us in this moment of worship. And as we sing in this moment, I said as I started this sermon, there are some of you, like Nicodemus, who are deeply hungry for Jesus, but you're in the darkness. Can we go stand next to a tomb that will soon be empty for Nicodemus and is empty for us and allow Jesus to be the very light and hope of who we are? The scripture calls that repentance. Many of us in this room are believers in Jesus, and yet we have become more fully to believe in our own strength. Could we have a season of just brokenness before the Lord? As we just come and say, God, nothing but you. Would we be willing to walk out of the darkness and into the light? Some of our pastors will be here at the front to join with you. If you would like to just have someone lift your name to the Lord. There's something powerful about that. And we would count it an honor and joy to pray with and for you. The scripture also says, please don't be mistaken. There is no mediator between God and men needed. It's just sometime rejoiced. But maybe some of you want to quickly bypass a pastor and just come and kneel in an altar or speak to the Lord where you stand. And just say, God, I love David. I love David. God, search me. And know my heart. Teach me what it looks like to walk in the midst of a resurrected community because, Lord... You have raised my soul. So I just invite you to a personal encounter with Jesus, to an opportunity to pray with a pastor, to an altar here at the front, to a glorious song that cries out of everything we've spoken about today. Christ the Lord, you are our cornerstone. 
You are our fortress and our rock. You are our healer and our salvation. You are our rescue. You are forgiveness and hope. You are ever-present. You are help in time of trouble. You are our provider. You are our friend. You redeem us. You restore us, Lord. You seat us in the heavenlies with you. So, Jesus, could we leave this earth for just a few moments and join the heavenlies in song of the glorious grace of Christ? Would you move with me? Would you stand with me? Would you come if you need to come? Would you worship in this moment the goodness of our Savior?